you're new to Skybreak, we're so happy you're here. Those of you who tuned in, thanks for joining us on Good Friday. So if you'll allow me to talk and not hold me accountable for a sermon, I just, I just want to talk out of my heart. Uh, I, I know you would hope to think I do that every time I speak, and I do. Uh, but tonight I just want to kind of walk through what has happened this week in the life of Jesus. We call it Good Friday, and Hebrews chapter 12, verse two says, for the joy that was set before Jesus, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and he sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. You can be seated. Good, thank you for standing. Good Friday is good for us, but it was not so good for Jesus. <laughs> and so the thought I have for you tonight is close to the cross, but far from the blood. Close to the cross, but far from the blood. Holy Week begins with Palm Sunday. We celebrated it last weekend, and it's Jesus' triumphal, triumphant entry into Jerusalem, riding on a donkey. Crowds of people were laying palm branches in his path as he went. Monday comes, and Jesus confronts the money lenders in the temple, overturns the tables, and scatters their wages and you see a different side of Jesus that was angry and upset that they had turned the house of prayer into a, he called it a den of thieves. That was Monday of this week. Tuesday rolls around and Jesus is with his disciples and a woman comes in with a very expensive jar of perfume. The cost was about a year's wages. You need to think about that. Perfume that cost whatever your one-year wages would be. And she brings it into Jesus unannounced and she pours it on him as an anointing. A year's worth. And he complimented her saying that she had come to anoint his body for burial. And most of those who witnessed what happened didn't even know what he was talking about. They didn't understand what was happening. A year's worth on Jesus. Wednesday comes and nothing is really recorded of Jesus' whereabouts. I don't know what was happening. Maybe he was in deep contemplation of what was about to come. And then Thursday we pick up where Jesus has his last supper with his disciples and he takes bread and he breaks it, says eat it, this is my body, he takes the cup, he blesses it, says drink of this. And he quotes Matthew writing this way, Jesus said for this is my blood of the covenant which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. And he hands them the cup with the fruit of the vine to drink it. Later that evening, Jesus 
leads his disciples from that upper room to the garden of Gethsemane to pray. And this is when a lot begins to happen. It's here in the garden of Gethsemane where the Roman soldiers led by none other than than Judas, the betrayer, they apprehend Jesus. They come with torches, they come at night. And Jesus, of course, exchanges conversation like if I'm a common thief or if I was a criminal, why would you come at night? Why didn't you just arrest me in the daytime when I was in the temple speaking? And there's a whole conversation that happens there. And during this moment, this is when Peter pulls out a sword and begins to wave that sword. Some say, well, he was really good. He cut off the ear of a soldier, but he really was going for the throat and the head and he missed. I mean, but he cuts the ear off and Jesus bends down and picks up the cut off ear and places it back on the side of the man's head and he's immediately healed. But nothing is even acknowledged about that from the Roman soldiers and the disciples scatter in fear. And they bind Jesus up and they take him away to begin the mockery of a trial. Now what follows throughout the rest of Thursday night is is indescribable. Jesus endures the most unimaginable pain and mockery and beatings and betrayals. He, He suffered so deeply from the brutality of the Roman soldiers who whipped him literally and beat him until the flesh was almost gone off of his midsection and his rib cage and his back. His body was unrecognizable. You say, how do you know that? Isaiah 52 prophesied and said, many were amazed when they saw him. His face was so disfigured, he seemed hardly human. And from his appearance, one would scarcely know he was even a man. That's how brutal the beating and the mistreatment was. This is happening Thursday night through the wee hours of the morning and Jesus is ultimately sentenced to death by crucifixion where his body is hung on a wooden cross until death. Now as night begins to turn to day, the events of Friday begin to unfold and though Jesus' body was exhausted, a night turns to day and the events begin to happen and Jesus is so weak and he's so exhausted from the long night and the beatings and the crown of thorn and the extreme blood loss. And then the Roman soldiers say, I want you to carry your own cross up the hill to Calvary. In that beaten, weakened condition, Jesus picks up his own cross and struggles to walk, carrying that cross uphill toward Calvary. It's about a 2,000 feet upward walk from the city to Golgotha. On what is called the Via Dolorosa, which is translated the way of suffering. Jesus follows a path, it's a processional route 
in the old city of Jerusalem, which represents the path that Jesus possibly would have taken on his way to his own crucifixion. Then upon arrival to Calvary's hill, he's now up on top. All this has happened Thursday night, all through the night, Friday, it's mid-morning perhaps, and they take large spikes and they nailed through Jesus' hands and feet and hammered them, nailing his broken, beaten, unrecognizable body to this cross. A hole had been prepared. They raised that cross up with the weight of a human body on it and the weight of the cross in and of itself, and it drops suddenly into that hole. And the sudden jolt, you can only imagine the tearing of the flesh held by the nails of Jesus' body by those nails. And so now Jesus is hanging on a wooden cross made from a tree he created hanging between heaven and earth as crowds of people pass by watching him as he's dying. And here's the verse I want to leave with you tonight and talk about for a couple of moments. You can remain seated, but I want you to listen to this. They came to the place of Golgotha, which means the place of the skull, and there they offered Jesus wine to drink mixed with gall. But after tasting it, he refused to drink it. When they had crucified him, they divided up his clothes by casting lots, rolling the dice, gambling. And, and here's the statement that this, trans, this writer encapsulates. It says, and sitting down, they watched him there. And sitting down, those people, here's Jesus, they just sit down and they watch him. There were many standing on Golgotha's hill that day. I can imagine that obviously there were soldiers, the Pharisees, perhaps some were there, rulers of the synagogue, residents that lived in Jerusalem all around. It was a big crucifixion. Three people were being crucified, Jesus in the middle. There were those traveling to Jerusalem to celebrate Passover. People were there. Even some, according to the scripture, who sat down just to watch. How strange is that? They were witnessing the world's most uncommon event and most of them didn't even know it. As far as they were concerned, it was just another Friday morning and just another common criminal. But this is where my thought for the night comes, comes in. The title of this message. Perhaps they were so close to the cross, but so far from the Christ who was hanging on that cross. And the important question I have for you and that we must ask ourselves is not how close I may stand to the cross of Jesus, but how near am I to the blood that he shed for me and for you. Now, as we look at the scriptures, 
As we look at the scriptures, we see some of those who were in the crowd that day. I picked out a few of them. The first one were gamblers, right? Casting lots. They were throwing dice at the foot of the cross for a piece of Jesus used clothing. Soldiers huddled in a circle, their eyes turned downward. They, the so-called criminal above them seems to have been forgotten. And I thought about that. I like, you got to take yourself on a journey when you read scripture. And I thought, I wonder what that scene must have looked like through the eyes of Jesus as he looked downward past his bloody feet, seeing a circle of gamblers casting lots for his clothes because he had been stripped naked. What did he think? What emotions did he feel? Here these soldiers were so close, but so far. Could that be some of us here tonight? Have we become just like these soldiers? Do we play games, life's games, so near to his cross sometimes? Many want to identify with the cross of of Jesus on some level. Churches are gonna be full this weekend. Sermons just like this one are gonna be preached throughout the Brazos Valley and around the world. But it's not a cross anymore to some, it's just another piece of timber. It's Jesus shed blood, that's what makes it important. First John 1 says, it is the sacrificed blood of Jesus, God's son, that purges us from all sin. Just to stand near the cross is not good enough. You can live in the shadow of a steeple. You can quote 66 books of the Bible. You can even speak in tongues of men and angels. But if you're not washed in the precious blood of Jesus, you're still lost. You're just lost. Peter tells us that you were redeemed with the precious blood of Christ, a lamb without blemish or defect. The purchase of our redemption was the cost of the precious blood of Jesus. And those gamblers didn't even recognize it. Playing games. Hear me, church. I'm not here to be too heavy tonight, but I am here to tell you, don't just come to church and have a casual relationship with Jesus and it's kind of the cool thing and I'm a Jesus person and I like Christian music and I wear this and I, you know, you gotta, you gotta be, there's gotta be more than that. This timber that Jesus died on was the cross that redeemed all humanity by the blood that he shed and I don't wanna be so close to the church and the cross and just identify with that but not realize the precious blood that he shed for me was so valuable and the pain and the suffering that he went through to cause that to happen. I want to appreciate that in every way that I possibly can. Those gamblers were close to the cross, but far from his blood. And then I thought about the crowd passing by, right? These are the people who just hours before we're, we're saying, crucify him in Pilate's Hall. Crucify him. And think about it. It's the same crowd who heard Jesus preaching out on the Sermon on the Mount as he walked through Capernaum, as he 
walked down by the Jordan River. They heard him teaching. They watched him open blind eyes and unstopped deaf ears who saw the gentle nature that he had with children and his love for the poor, those who ate bread with him and understood what it was like to see him break the fish and the bread and feed thousands of people. It was the same people. Now they're in this crowd passing by the cross with Jesus hanging there and and some even hurled accusations at Jesus like come down from the cross if you're the son of God or he saved others he can't even save himself think about it bitter hateful words I mean, I got to think of, in my head, you're like, wasn't it enough that he was being crucified? Were the nails insufficient? Was the crown of thorns too soft? Peter said when he was abused verbally, he didn't retaliate. He didn't even respond. But can you imagine how Jesus felt hearing all of that and knowing in his heart he was the son of God And they may not understand, but he was dying and giving his life's blood for the crowd that passed by, scoffing and mocking him. And they had every intention of hurting and bruising him as if to say, we've broken your body, now let us break your spirit. I guess of all the scenes I could imagine at the cross, this one probably angers me most, right? I mean, I asked myself, what kind of people would, would mock a dying man? Who, who would stoop so low as to pour salt, the salt of scorn, into open wounds? So near Jesus, so close. If only they could see who he was. And maybe, think about this, while they're walking by and they're railing and scoffing, maybe they got close enough to the cross that some of the blood that was pouring from Jesus' body, dripping down from his body, off of his elbows and knees and the side of his face, off of his side, dripping to the ground, just maybe some of it dripped from his broken body onto them, but sadly enough, some of it did not fall on their souls. Near the cross, there was gamblers, there was a crowd, and then you you have to say and recognize there were two criminals besides Jesus, who wasn't a criminal, there were two thieves that were being crucified on either side of them. And they had a conversation. I don't know if you remember that or not, but the guy on the cross number two, he hurled insults at Jesus like, like, aren't you the Christ? Can you imagine hanging there? I don't know. He's like, aren't you the Christ? And save yourself and save us and cussing and just, just railing on Jesus. But the other criminal, the Bible says, rebuked the criminal on the other side and said, hey, don't you fear God? You're here because you were sentenced to be here. We're punished justly, the Bible says, for we're getting what we deserve. But this man in the middle has done nothing wrong. 
And here's the powerful part. The man then turns to Jesus as he's looking past him, talking to the criminal, cursing Jesus. He focuses on Jesus now and he says, Jesus, will you remember me when you come into your kingdom? And Jesus says, I tell you the truth, today, today you'll be with me in paradise. So I want you to see in this simple thought tonight, one thief was so close to the cross, but the other thief was close to the blood of Jesus. So where are you, my friend? Where are you? Oh, it's Good Friday. I just thought I'd come to church. We're going to have Easter eggs tomorrow and eat ham. and That's fine. But it's more than just Good Friday. It's good because at noon, Jesus died. He gave up the ghost. He gave up his spirit. He laid down his life for us. I think about Peter, who was a devout follower of Jesus, but now in this moment at the crucifixion, the disciples are everywhere. John finally shows up with Mary. There may have been other disciples hidden in the crowd, but they're not talked about. But Peter now finds himself full of fear, and even, even through the night, Thursday night and Friday morning, Peter did something he never dreamed he would do or imagined he would do. He told Jesus, I'll die for you. And then when it came down to it, you know, come daybreak. That's my version. The, the rooster crowed and Peter heard it. And he remembered what Jesus told him. He said, Peter, I know you said you'll die for me, but let me tell you, before the rooster crows in the morning, you're gonna deny you even know who I am three times. Peter was somewhere in that crowd that day, close to the cross, but listen to me, something different was happening. I can't help believe that when he saw Jesus hanging there and he heard him say, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. That something smote Peter and he didn't stop just near the cross, but he recognized the power and the significance of what Jesus' blood was doing. Peter wrote later in one of his writings, 1 Peter 1, he says, in his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. So I ask you again here tonight, where are you? Are you close to the cross, but far from his blood. It can change tonight. Tonight, on this Good Friday, you're in church. There's people here that love you. Jesus is here. He's already shown himself strong and mightily tonight as we worshiped him. His presence, which was already here, began to manifest in a powerful way. We sensed him. And now you're here at a moment where I'm asking you a very important question. Are you just kind of hanging around the church? Are you new to church? Or have you invited Jesus to be the Lord of your life? 
Would you do that here tonight? Just saying you believe there's a God doesn't save you. Just attending church on Easter and Christmas, you might ask yourself, am I close to the cross but far from his blood? Where are you at tonight? Or you can be like the man on the cross next to Jesus and say, Jesus, I accept you as Lord and Savior. Remember me and cover my sin with your blood and let the fountain of the blood of Jesus take away your sin and wash you clean. There's nothing like the power of the blood of Jesus Christ. He can take your sins and he can wash you white as scarlet. Did you know you can leave this building and you can know before you leave here that your sins are covered by the blood of Jesus and that you're ready for eternity? I'm gonna ask every one of you in this room just to close your eyes for a moment. Just as a time of reflection, wherever you're watching from, I'm asking you to do the same. Just, I want it to be just between you and God and listening to the words that I have shared with you tonight. And I'm asking you, are you close to his cross? but far from his blood? Or tonight, are you stepping into that space where you say, Jesus, I know you died for me. The pain and the suffering that you went through was for the sin of humanity, which includes me, so that I could be free and have eternal life. And I'm asking you right now to let me lead you in a prayer you can begin a journey with Jesus on this Friday night, Good Friday. Eyes closed, heads bowed across the room. If that's you and you say, Pastor, I want to make sure I'm ready for eternity. I want to know Jesus as the Savior of my life. Would you slip up your hand so I know who I'm praying with tonight? Lift it high right where you are all across this room. I want to be saved. I want to go to heaven. Thank you so much. Thank you, thank you. Lift those hands, thank you. God bless you, God bless you. All across the room, all across the room. God bless you. Just a moment more, hands are going up. I see them, thank you so much. Thank you, thank you, thank you. God bless you. If you're online, someone's there to pray with you. Someone's there to lead you right now. You can let us know. Anyone else, just lift your hand just a moment more. Thank you, Jesus. All right, you can put those hands down. Can we clap for every person who raised their hand right there? Everybody make it a decision wherever you are. Thank you, Jesus. Come on. Thank you. Now here's what we're going to do. We're going to pray together. Are you ready, church? We're all going to pray. And if you raised your hand, maybe you didn't raise your hand. Maybe you want to pray this prayer with us. Let's pray it together. Would you say it with me? Dear Jesus, come on, say it like you mean it. Dear Jesus, forgive me my sin. Thank you for going to the cross in my place. And I receive you today as the Lord of my life and as my Savior. Thank you for saving me. And I ask you from this day to help me follow you to the best of my ability. And I'll do so. Amen and amen and amen.